This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Chips at the top. Uh, character sheet. Thank you very much, by the way. Roll yeah, initiative. Yeah. Should I do that now? No, not yet. Uh, just wait. Yeah, just wait till we get to the segment. Yeah, and you'll have to uh, click on... Be... I'll put your token on the map. You'll have to click on that and then click initiative so you show up in the roll. Cool. Yeah. How... Um... First for everything. Ah, never mind. I'll keep that. <laughs> all right. I am all prepped up. All right. Yep. I'm sharing, uh, just sharing the Twitch around Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll retweet you. Nice. All right, here we go. We're live. Everyone can see us now. Hey, everyone's decent. (laughs) I I hope I'm decent. Oh boy, these yeah. stupid headphones drive me crazy. I mean, are we ever decent? God, your wires. I got wires all over the place. I don't know. I don't like them. So yeah, well, this, what's is, this? this is the third episode of the GM Roundtable. And we've got um, uh, some some returning, myself and Phil, some new with Simon and Greg. So let's let's start it off like we always do. Let's each take a turn just introducing ourselves. And just kind of, you know, saying who we are. I'm going to move the tokens over here to uh, the map so we can all click on them. And then roll initiative from our our sheet, which is always fun. And then we can kind of see who's going first here. I guess I didn't. Click on my sheet. I knew it. I knew you'd be first. (laughs) I, I didn't click on my token. Um, Maybe I did it wrong. Yeah, you you see your token there on the map. Uh, you got to click on character sheet, sir. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta have yourself selected first. Uh, I am not. I uh, roll twenty is uh, not where I I have been playing from. <laughs> well, this will be your your uh, little <laughs> crash course. Your crash course. Yeah. <laughs> crash course in roll twenty. Yes. All right. Awesome. Hey, Simon, you're up. So let's let's each just introduce ourselves. Uh, who we are and what we do. Sure. Um, hi, I am Simon at Wondering DM. Uh, I am a uh, game designer as well as a full-time, well, part-time streamer, I should say. Um, and uh, half of the things I stream are actually about Artal Saurian products. And uh, one of the big ones that we have currently going right now is, of course, uh, our Cyberpunk Red campaign on Fridays. Uh, nice. Next up, I am Phil. I am from Baby Beard Media, and uh, I'm one of the GMs on our actual play audio drama show, Roll to Cast. Uh, that is R O L E. 
so we have two cyberpunk campaigns in there. The first one is a 2020 campaign called Going Mainstream. And we just wrapped up our red campaign, Feed the Beast, as well. We also uh, have a bit of a YouTube channel going as well, Baby Beard Media. That's me. Greg? Uh, yeah, my name is Greg. I have a YouTube channel called How to Drink, where I make a lot of cocktails, and frequently they're from video games and pop cultural stuff. And I also stream uh, a lot, uh, increasingly, on Twitch at Greg from HGD. Uh, Tuesday nights, we're doing we've been doing Cyberpunk Red for a few months now. Uh, we finally named the campaign High Tech Low Life, which was extremely original of us. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. We're doing actual play live with Cyberpunk Red um, on Twitch on my twitch that's me <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm rob mulligan the founder of cyberpunk uncensored um where you know we do live gameplay gm tips crash courses just everything cyberpunk um and yeah here we are at the gm round table <laughs> so yeah let's get into the first segment i'm gonna bring it up here on roll 20 so first up we talk a little bit about what's going on in our various corners of uh, the tabletop world in What in the World Building. Jingle. Oh, I'm falling behind. Sorry. Here, here it comes. <laughs> relax. Here. I don't know Wait, what? What in the world building? <laughs> Wait, what, what in the world building? E even funny delayed, huh? All right. <laughs> So good jokes are all about. Yeah, let's click on initiative here. timing. Well, looks like I'm going first again. Awful timing. Your dice are hot. Oh, we're rolling initiative again. I'm so sorry. Yeah, each segment yeah. will uh will I'm the worst kind of player. Yeah, each segment I'll <laughs> grab the grab grab the tokens onto the map and then just click it and roll. yeah, do gotcha. Dynamic initiative. What um what is what's my stat you know in this system in this world system what is my initiative based off of here off your reflex everybody just has a, a nice 10 reflex oh okay okay and then we're just all pretty zippy yeah yeah <laughs> um oh wait we're missing rolled, mate. yeah yeah so we're good uh wandering dm is first oh yeah rub rolled but for some reason it didn't appear in the turn order but uh yeah uh, hi, that's okay. Um, so what do I have going on? Well, we are going to um, wrap, hopefully, this arc of our campaign uh, next Friday. Um, then we're going to be on break for two weeks and come back with the next major uh, story arc. So the way the Red campaign works uh, on, uh, on my channel is each story arc focuses a bit more on one character more than another. Um, and we cycle around uh, everyone uh, like that. So the uh, this one actually was uh, a bit of a um, neutral story arc. And now we're delving back into... Uh, not going to say anything too much because some of them might be listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're going to be... It's going to be uh, high-octane action when we come back from the holidays. Oh, nice. nice! Kick off yeah. the new year with something punchy. Yes, nice. I I would love to talk about other stuff, but for now I can't. Yeah, Should we read that? <laughs> as a yeah, reference to automotive combat, the high octane action. Is that where we're going? 
Oh, you you got the clue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it will. <laughs> yeah, and once again, I guess there there are some subjects, uh, some you can't talk about due to NDAs and such. So yeah. I guess some some of this I might think... be a little short, huh? <laughs> I think we can talk about our project soon. I think so, but yeah, it'll. It's the corner, anyway. uh, yeah, it's just um, well. Aside from um, cyber uh, cyberpunk, we uh, I am going to be playing during the holidays in one shots for charities here and there. Uh, one of which is on high shelf gaming, the other on how you want to do this. If anyone's watching right now and they would like to uh, take part in these games, I know a lot of the GMs are running cyberpunk games for uh, those charity events. Uh, Look them up or send me a message on Twitter, and I can try to hook you up with a GM for a one shot. Very cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. And uh, also, I am um, currently failing at uh, keeping my driver's permit in Night City, uh, as (laughs) I have destroyed so many lampposts and guardrails. Oh, in 2077, you're talking about? Yep. Yeah, driving's a bit uh, difficult. <laughs> Put it mildly. But yeah, no, that's it about me. I don't have a whole lot to say right now uh, about myself. That's plenty, mate. I think some people would love to be that busy. Please. Next step should be Phil. Yeah, so um, we put out the very last uh, episode of our uh, Feed the Beast uh, campaign so uh, after our campaigns we do like a little wrap up so we had our our sort of uh, reflection on the series was last week and we just put out uh, our episode which is an interview with Cody and James Cody Pondsmith and James Hart um, and we focused laser focused on uh, the release of, and the design of Red and there was a really really fun interview it's really great to talk to those guys they um, they're obviously quite different personalities Cody's like mm the big charisma he's out there and then uh james has got this like very analytical kind of focused mind and it was really great to see how they worked off each other and they talked about uh we got some really interesting stuff about uh balance town which is this room they set up at the back of the office where they they basically would just go and sit and just like test rules over and over again it's like okay now we're doing we're doing alternate fire we're doing shotguns for like three hours and they would just sit in balance town and sort it out uh, so yeah, James is the mayor of Balance Town. Uh, really, really fun. Um, it was really privileged to have those guys come on and do an interview. This really good to talk to, and I think it's really interesting to look, you know, underneath the hood of of tabletops and stuff. There's a huge amount that goes goes into into them and and sort of setting all the world up. So that's really cool. Um, but what it does mean is next week we're going on to our new campaign, which is uh, a Pulp Cthulhu campaign. Ooh. So that's a mod of the Call of Cthulhu rules to make it a bit more two-fisted, a bit more uh, gung-ho. Um, so, yeah, you, kind oh, of, wow. you take on the mythos a bit more head-on. So that's going to be a bit, bit, bit of fun. There's lots of silly voices uh, and bad accents in that show. Uh, we have, like, a Norwegian, <laughs> Frenchman, um, a, uh, a New York doll. Uh, and an irish priest as well so that's going to be a lot of fun a bit of a change of pace from our uh, a bit more serious stuff um and then meanwhile i'm i'm working on kind of expanding like i have like a faction base um for my cyberpunk red games and i'm working on uh like building that out and and sort of uh, laying the groundwork to to solidify some of the kind of lore and background stuff for that 
So it's a really fun project I'm working on at the moment. Um, that's called Heaven. Uh, I might talk a little bit about that in sort of NPC and campaign creation later. And, and the last one is a colleague of ours who's been on the show before on on the roundtable, John John. Uh, he is doing a one shot for our red characters. So I got finally to build a uh, a, a player, a player character in red. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, awesome. So I started out my 73-year-old med tech granny um, nice. who is like, you know, nobody, but like, uh, you know, uh, willpower out the wazoo, right? Because she's seen everything. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to playing uh, Grammar, as she's called. Grammar. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's I awesome. love so, that character. Um, yeah, she's cool. She's cool. I really <laughs> want to see how she she plays in in battle, like hardened hardened grandma. Um, yeah, so that's it. Like I, I've got a project coming up in January, which hopefully news will start coming out about soon. Awesome. That's me. Okay. And Greg, that's awesome. Uh, man, I don't know if I have <laughs> cyberpunk uh, related projects. I have a lot of things I'm working on. No, anything. I anything mean, that you're, uh, that's going on in your world, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm filming episodes of my show kind of continuously, uh, which is why I was very good at getting back to you the past couple of days, because I have not been able to get away from my camera, uh, just like trapped in the torture studio, as I call it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running a, I don't have any projects related to it, but I will say that I'm running this campaign for Cyberpunk Red, and I've run a lot of role-playing games, like a since the early nineties um, and I've played in a lot of, and somehow just always miss this one. And I'm, it's, it's fun for me. I'm still trying to figure out um, this tension between realism and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not realism. Gaming. <laughs> yeah. I like the set. I'm still figuring out like how the setting works and what the vibe is of it and, and how to, um, you know, uh, to run it in a way that it does it justice. And I feel like, uh, it's a, it's a whole new uh, thing for me to learn, which is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Man. <laughs> a whole lot of other... Yeah. I've just been, um, still doing, kicking out, uh, cyberpunk red crash course videos for the cyberpunk uncensored YouTube, still streaming live gameplay, um, we're getting ready to move to Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time on our Twitch. Um, we archive those on the YouTube. But we're also streaming other GMs like Teddy Barons and uh, Jack and uh, uh, Hugo and Phil randomly when they can do one-shots or ongoings. I'm also doing a monthly one-shot with uh, Tara Bella Pondsmith, Cody's wife, and um, Steve from Sirenscape and a couple other friends. It's a lot of fun. Sounds cool. Um, and speaking of Sirenscape, I've got uh, my old music uh couple of the different bands and projects that I used to tour with and recorded with. Um, I did all the songwriting, so I own the rights, and Sirenscape is featuring some of that music. There's going to be more in other sound sets, but right now, if you get the Nightclub, the Cyberpunk Red Nightclub sound set, all the music it's on so that, cool. all the songs on that shit are my old band. Um, it's no, all me on vocals so cool, and guitar, man. so that's pretty cool. I really enjoy that. That's um, really cool. Yeah, I'm going to go back to open my Sirenscape after we're done and give it another listen. Yeah, yeah, you have to check it out. You can also see the videos on my, uh, not on the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube, but I have a separate YouTube Mulligan project. It's just Robert uh, Mulligan. Uh, you can find a bunch of old music videos for all my projects and shit. But um, other than that, getting back into filmmaking, I'm excited, although the quarantine is starting to pick back up again, so that might slow again. But I got hired, uh, just 
help produce in first AD and run second unit for Alien Danger, uh, oh, wow. which is a James Balsamo you, film. We're trying to push that as a kid's Rob, do you, cartoon. Do, do you sleep? Nope, I do not. Hashtag team no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I got picked up for a, a, the Baby Pact. I'm running production design for that at the top of next year. It's a Haley Duff uh, is in that film and a bunch of other actors and actresses. Um, it's a sequel to the the Wedding Pact. And, um, and then I'm also, uh, we're looking at some potential funding and other big things for the Game Shop series that I'm uh, directing and producing. That's got uh, Andy Dick, Todd Stashwick, uh, Satine Phoenix is playing a DM in that series. Um, so just a, a bunch of shit going on. But, um, but main focus, obviously, is cyberpunk for me. It's the most fun. It's like therapy. Um, so that's why I'm <laughs> kicking out those videos almost daily as much as I can. Um, but that's pretty that's much a lot, it, man. That sounds pretty yeah, busy. It's huh? crazy. I think Rob is a, a, an android. <laughs> I've cloned wow. myself. He must be a machine. There's no other oh, way. Oh man. Oh yeah. So like gonna, I feel multiplicity star. I'm gonna set up here for the next uh, this next <laughs> segment. Now that we've all got to introduce ourselves. Cool. So I guess that's my cue. There you go. Yeah. Maybe. So we're gonna go check out what's. Up from the scream sheets. What's up from the scream sheets? Did I get it wrong? Yeah, let everybody click your token and then rock that oh, over. Not so hot this time. I keep getting eleven. It's crazy every time. Yeah, we're we're, we're matched there. Yeah. Hey, nice. it technically should have been a twelve, but it's not going to change much in the order. All right, cool. Um, what what we have uh, some subjects here for the scream sheets. NPCs and campaign building. All right. So let's start it off here. Um, I guess Greg, uh, start it off. Just you know anything about your process of building NPCs and any tips. You know this is very helpful to new GMs. And I think like Phil yeah. put it online the other day. Said uh, you know great great stuff here for a lot of people that are probably starting up new uh, Cyberpunk Red campaigns. Uh, currently, so you know we're going to help them kind of build some NPCs. Yeah, I reckon yeah, it's I about know. the time that people have read the books and then got their friends to read them, <laughs> read them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have any like cyber. I don't know if my I would have cyberpunk specific thoughts on that, but I mean, I, I because I feel like it's. I don't know. I feel like good NPC design is good NPC design, right? It's just like kind of a universal thing. Um, I always try to give. I mean, it's just like silly stuff. I just try to give them all some kind of a quirk and some kind of flaws and and maybe make notes about the limits of their knowledge so that I don't accidentally play them as GM PCs <laughs> and who are, you know, uh, they should make mistakes, you know, <laughs> depending on like what the kind of scenario is. Like we have a, um, a recurring NPC in my game as a fixer who is in danger of being, well, there would be a danger of her being a GM PC if I, had no desire to have her be in. I keep her out of, his, of scenes as much as possible, but she's sort of like the quest giver in the cyberpunk red campaign that I've been running. Um, and she screws up everything all the time. That's kind of like her, her <laughs> jam. Uh, she's just a disaster. Um, she's trying really hard, but like she's not good at her job um, or, you know, at least she's not perfect at it. And so um, I feel like that helps it be real. I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think a lot about like just like campaign planning 
to me is NPC planning. That's the way I write a campaign. I don't actually write from my personal approach. I never sit down and say, okay, well, what's the story I want to tell? I just kind of populate a world with a bunch of people who have motives, typically bad guy motives, um, that, and they're going to do these things. And I, and I know about how their plans will work and, and how they will, what time frame they will unfold under. And then, uh, and what happens if they succeed, right? And what happens with various degrees of success? Like, I think that the one rule I always tell uh, new GMs, people who are pl- running a game for the first time, it's like, well, whatever you do, don't think about fantasy literature. Don't do any story in which if the bad guys win, the world ends, because then your your PCs can't lose. You have to have them win, and you're fucked. <laughs> you know, you've, you've taken away all of their agency and their ability to screw up and uh, and and bungle it uh, and deal with the consequences because the consequences are. And Sauron owns the cosmos. You will be tortured forever. <laughs> you know, Mike, I mean, like it's a Mike has always said about keeping Cyberpunk street level as well. Right. Yeah. That's, a, that's like a better world ending. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in fantasy, maybe you can do that a little bit better, but like, I think, I think, you know, keeping things grounded and like having the world shift if the bad guys succeed is a really cool way of doing it. Oh yeah, definitely. For sure. That. And so I just, I don't really run a, write a campaign. I just write these, these quote bad guy plans. Maybe they're not bad guys. Maybe they're just like alternate plans. And I just try to win them. I just try to play them in the confines of that NPC as kind of hard as I can. And then, uh, I have a whole other set of plot lines that I'll develop that are based on the characters' backgrounds, and I will just torment yeah. the characters with that. That won't leave them alone, and then eventually, just through play and, and um, kind of muddling my way through a session, invariably these things will intersect and overlap, and the players will become embroiled in these larger kind of A plots, B plots that I've been writing for the uh, bad guys. That's, <laughs> so to me, like, yeah, MP- so. do you fully stat them? Uh, when I have to, at some point, yeah. yeah, I will avoid that until until like okay, I guess we're fighting now, and now I better figure <laughs> out like you know I might have like some ideas about like what they're good at and what they're bad at and stuff like that. I will never, I won't just bullshit the roles though. Like I won't just like ah, I need this person to win this role. You know, like I personally, I feel like the rules are there for a reason. You you everybody's got to play by the rules. Otherwise, I feel like I'm robbing the players of their their agency. Like, I don't want, I've played with DMs and every, there's a whole lot of schools of thought on this. I, I played with a DM who's the exact polar opposite. Every action you took as a player was a negotiation. Like the, the DM was like, well, that's an interesting idea for like where you want your character to go. We'll talk about that in four or five sessions. Like, you know, when I can fit that into the story and everything like that. And I hate that. I never wanted my, I never wanted to feel like I had to, like, if I feel like I have to get your permission to do a thing with my character, then it kind of ruins what's fun about the game for me. But the only way that that works is if everybody's playing by the same rules, like the the GM has to be kind of a neutral arbiter about how, in my opinion, how the rules hash out. So, um, I think that's more important in, in cyberpunk. Like if you look at 2020, the, the GM was called a referee, not a GM because you're an arbiter. So I think, you know, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, I've lost the word. You, uh, fudging, fudging in something fudging. like D and is maybe a little bit more acceptable. A little bit, depending yeah. on the group you're playing. But Cyberpunk, it feels like it's against the spirit of it. Yeah. I'll fudge if I fucked up. 
I'll fudge and I'll tell the players like, okay, so I am changing the confines of this battle right now because I read these stat blocks wrong and I am about to TPK you. And that was never my intention with this. Like, this is not your mess up. This is my screw up. And I'll just tell the players like that. I'm changing. <laughs> Reality is changing because <laughs> I, I broke it. And, uh, but I won't like, uh, I will not lie about like, nope, that was a miss when it was actually a hit. I don't do that. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I think cyberpunk is, you know, it's supposed to be dangerous, you know, and it's supposed to be real sure. in that sense, you know, that it really is all up to your stat skills and, and the dice and it shouldn't be otherwise, you know? Yeah. Yep. Both, both cyberpunk and I would say even Witcher mm-hmm. in the same vein. Um, it's, it, it's part of, the game itself the style of game that you're playing if you want something to be deadly and gritty and uh and very lethal you have to you have to roll in front of everyone which using virtual tabletops help a lot (laughs) during a stream because you can't really you can't really uh fudge your rolls when everyone sees the result anyway yeah yeah i I mean it can happen the other way around as well right so i had the the finale for my red campaign was like pretty dangerous situation and then i had a couple of points where like i had a like an air drone get a full flank it was like a a large air drone got a full flank on one of the characters optimal range it's got like 14 in its combat score because it's being run by like a ifrit or something in 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 the uh, net natural one totally missed her should have been the point where she you know like took a bunch of wounds oh shit things getting serious Nah, and it happened like two or three times in that combat. I just, that whole campaign, I rolled like total ass, right? <laughs> and you, sure, you can be like, this isn't deadly enough. I need to, I need to hit mm-hmm. when I'm not hitting. But I think you need to avoid that temptation. If they're getting lucky, they're just, they're getting lucky. Yeah, and, yeah. I think at that, you should, you should tell them. Yeah, and I think at that point, instead of like, like you said, not fudging the roll, if you feel like, okay, you keep, you know, rolling ones and it's not as deadly as that scenario should be for that climax of your campaign or whatever. You can always have like an extra drone appear or another enemy come out of a room and that's not fudging it's just adding to the level that you're trying to take it to the level that you need without fudging the actual roles at that point if you have to but to your point i i think that it definitely that's actually i guess i should specify that i mean it has to play both ways like i can if i write and this is why i don't anymore but if i wrote like you know 12 hours of like scripted material or whatever and you undid it in the first 10 minutes of session well i'm not gonna stop like that's it you win like you figured it out and it's over <laughs> and i better just start improving because see what happens you know there's gonna be some weird shit next who knows i mean yeah. but uh, i don't want to take that away from the players if they somehow end run around my machinations like then congratulations you know <laughs> um I think I I let him own it either way it goes. But um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that could happen on a small scale. So there there was an NPC in my campaign, which I expected the characters to want to chat to. Um, they had a lot of information about the old world and, and Uh like the world from 2020, but because Mm. of some like emotional stuff, they, the character just didn't want to interact with that, with them. And I had all these notes. I had all of these notes about what they knew and what they would chat about if prompted. And I was like, well, it's a good role play. Like you're, you're doing good role. This is what your character would do. And yep. it's producing drama. It sucks for me because I did all this right. work. <laughs> but right. like, I can't, 
you know, you can't always predict, even on the small scale, you know, what you will need and what you won't need, which I think is why it's important, as you say, to just sort of make the people real and yeah. make their motivations and flaws real and then let your players interact with them. Is that like Meisner? Meisner acting school that characters yeah, act in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. That's right. Simon, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about NPCs? Any tips sure. or thoughts on that? Um I think every NPC should be a three-dimensional person. Um, when when I create even even background NPCs, even if you have to come out come up on the fly with something for the bouncer at the the club that the players are are meeting at because someone strikes a conversation with them, um, I try very hard to have a secret for all of my NPCs. That's a great something. Tip. Yeah, something I would normally call a, a dark secret, but it doesn't need to be dark. But it is something that is personal to them. And knowing that, it's enough for me to inform my acting of the NPC. Maybe, and it might never come into conflict. It might never come to light at all. But then at the same time, I can use that as uh, fuel or hooks for potential... Uh, side quests or side jobs for um for the pcs so for example um you know that that one um let's say we're in uh, we're in cyberpunk so uh you are going to the forlorn hope and uh, you're you know planning something a hit against a, a medium-sized corp like the subsidiary of i don't know iec or something and um the players are clearly stumped in in their plan and in, in their investigations. Well, maybe the guy drinking at the bar, in my mind, he was a uh, washed out corpo. Okay. Well, why not tweak that secret of his and say he's not just a washed out corpo? He's a guy that got fired from IEC. And all of a sudden, that NPC can come in and say, "Hey, by the way, I hear you talking shit about this company." They fired me. They took everything I had, blah, blah, blah. Goes on a huge drunken rant. But maybe that's just enough for the characters to prey on that anger, get some information out of them, and then get out of the bind that they were in. Oh, yeah. um, and at the same time, sometimes it's it fuel It's fuel for you know blackmail potential, of course, um, but also to try to get them on your side, to try to have allies and friends and people that will help you or that you would be willing to help in exchange for a, a favor down the road. No one is just this Joe make everybody a faceless drone. Like they each have something. Right. Now does that take a toll out of me when I'm improving a bunch of NPCs. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and some of them, you know, sometimes I have to be careful because I'll go like, okay, did I use this <laughs> in this game? Or was it in another? <laughs> I have some tips in my section. <laughs> cool, cool. Because, because um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's 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 good to have like a list of of secrets that you can pull from, um, and uh, to bring them into play. But to at least have you know a minimum of two dimensions for your NPC. Mm. I love that. That's what I do. Yep. Um, Phil, if you want to roll a 1d10, me and you tied on that initiative. I got a 2. It's not going to be hard for you to beat that. 
Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> Are you kidding me? So you get it too. All right. I got it too. <laughs> One more time. Uh, uh, three. Go. Hey, it's you. <laughs> God, that was funny. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I just have a couple things, um, you know, other than always trying to give them, you know, each NPC their own like little characteristic or thing to remember them by whether the way they talk or something that they're wearing or just some type of attribute um there's definitely layers of npcs there's like the generic you know npcs that might just fill some background and there's like the main ones that maybe you expect them to interact with i like to keep those fluid and i and I, me and simon when we did that uh gm tips episode i mentioned this I, I do that positive negative thing i came up with so if they do happen to interact with something that's background that i didn't have a plan for I'll just roll a 1d6 or 1d10. If it lands on an odd or even number, it's either a negative or positive reaction from the NPC, and it at least throws me in a direction. I can instantly start giving them personality and whatever their interaction is going to be with the players. But um, uh, as a tip, I like to say to new GMs, you know, don't forget you can use NPCs to kind of push your story forward. Like Simon mentioned, you know, if some, they're at, at like a loss, um, you can kind of use that NPC to maybe give up a little bit of information or put, you know, give a little nudge in a direction or a little evidence or something so then they can move forward mm -hmm. with the campaign. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, again, Simon mentioned it, um, was I, I like to do the same thing with all my NPCs. I kind of have each one with like a little hidden sort of uh, life path thing, like, me, like I think how you were a secret, you know? And I'll give each NPC their own like little thing, whether it's a relative or the job that they have or something they've been through or whatever. And it's just there for, for if the players do start interacting, they do start digging. I do have something a little more interesting than face value improv. I have something I can kind of go off on a side arc, or maybe it's something I'll give some on, on, uh, to some NPCs that have to do with the given campaign. So if they do dig around, they can get extra information or other things going on. Um, so very, very similar to what uh, Simon mentioned. Um, but for me, that's about it with NPCs, the only things that, that come to mind. Um, Phil? Cool. This is like one of my pet favorite topics. So I, might, I might talk for a little bit on this, oh, but yeah. you, I'm really glad I'm going last, actually, because there's something Excite. interesting in everything that everyone said. So, Let me grab a pen and paper, um, start taking some notes. Yeah, yeah seriously, that's right. got some gems coming. <laughs> Go. Oh, no, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've over, oversold it. I've oversold it. All right. Um, so, <laughs> so for... Uh, as Greg was saying, like, uh, so you're in a campaign that's a little bit more uh, sort of reactive. You have the players, the chessboard, and, and people react to it. So I have, I, I run a little bit more of a curated uh, sort of. Uh, uh, I, I work with a bunch of actors, and we make a we make us uh, an actual play. So it usually is around a bit more focused around some set pieces. And it's a bit more mm. focused around some like set jobs that I can know they're going to do. And then there'll be some improv scenes and stuff, you know, how they want to treat their downtime and, and how they react to the world. But by and large, I know who they're going to run into when a lot of the time. Um, so that gives me more of a chance to really prepare those encounters. And um, as you guys are saying, the really good thing is, is to know what that character wants. Like rather than know like what information the, the characters need to get out of this conversation or, or what you want to happen, it, it's better to approach it from this idea of like this is their secret, this is what they want themselves, and and just you know play it from that angle. Uh, and if they don't get what they need out of that person or they go somewhere different, you know that's that's their agency, that's their player agency interacting with that person. So 
I think you can plan the NPC, but don't plan the conversation with them. Make sure you have these that that 3D element. Um, and the um, the other thing you talk about, you know, having GMPCs, which can be a real real uh, uh, like a bit of a trap sometimes. Right. You know, you don't want to have someone who accomplishes everything, or it's always pushing the players into the the right decision because you know what's coming up as the GM. Uh, right. And I think that is dangerous, but I think you can also use it in another way, right? So say you have uh, um, someone who's very close to one of your players, right? And they want to be there along for the ride. You know, they want to be there to protect them or whatever. You know, putting them in harm's way, um, uh, and as long as you're careful about them not, you know, solving every problem, you can add an extra element of danger to a character by having, you know, their girlfriend or whatever in the fight with them, right? And, and the dynamic shifts because they don't want them to get shot or if they do get shot, right. they might change their decision-making. So there's ways of bringing in NPCs well, especially that you play in, Red, in the moment. In execs, te- yeah. teamwork and execs minions are great to uh, do that yeah. with too. I love that idea. That's awesome. Do you think a corporate's going to care about their minions? Well, if they're worried about the way you know, their higher powers are going to treat them and fuck with them, they should. They're working yeah, towards <laughs> loyalty, you know? But go on, go on. I didn't want to interrupt. They can get attached. Oh, completely soulless. Um, yeah, so I like to I like to sort of throw in caveats of like I'll I might push an NPC into harm's way or alongside the the players to to, to spice things up a bit. That can really help. Um, uh, as you say, there's like these. Um, so I think a lot of people struggle with this on the fly thing, right? Where you guys get in a fight they're hurt and they go oh we don't we can't drive across to our usual ripper dock who you know you have plans for you know you have all these notes for they're like no we want the closest clinic and then you're like okay well i can either just just make it a generic clinic or i can turn this into a scene i can invent someone right and that can be really pressuring and bye he quit. I'll be, I'll be, he no, like, no, no, I'll be right back. I'm still listening. Sorry, got something. He, he hated your tips, dude. <laughs> I know, I know. I've just, I've been going on so long already. Um, no, I, and I think, I think that can be really intimidating for people, but it's a big opportunity. And I think there's a combination of things that you can quickly do from, from what Rob and from what Simon are saying is like you give them, you quickly give them like a physical attribute. You quickly give sure. them a mental attribute or you give them like a secret or something, right? So, okay, I need a medic. Okay, so he is really gangly. Instantly, you've got this guy. He's like a six foot four, tall drink of water, like looks like a noodle. Um, <laughs> uh, and and uh, give, him a, give him a character trait. He's a savior, right? He, he just wants to help everybody. You're like, okay, well, that's a bit unusual for cyberpunk. He's not your usual grizzled guy. But it introduces a complication because everybody in the neighborhood is at his clinic, right? And you walk in, in the, in the uh, with your gunshot wound, and they're like, "I'll get to you in a minute, guys. I'll help you." But yeah, but everyone else here. So you can you can really quickly give someone a bit of dynamism just with a physical trait and a character trait, and boom, you, yep. you're working with someone. And I like to, as as someone who does a sort of a character acting approach, you can really quickly give someone something to hook onto by just changing your voice so much like a tiny bit sorry like uh people worry about you know i can't do funny voices i can't do accents or whatever but it's not really about that to me lower your voice a touch suddenly you've got Mm -hmm. someone who's a little bit bigger than you are or maybe slow your voice down or uh it just um have someone who uh um 
stutters a lot or has a lot of uh, uh, unsure about what they're going to say, right? And instantly you've got a little bit of texture in this person that you had to invent out of the blue, right? And it can just be a very, very simple vocal change. And that's enough for you to step inside that character and then uh, the the players to feel like they've got someone real in front of them. And the final thing is, it's like easy for me to say, who's done that a lot. And as Simon says, like it can be really like, oh, taxing. Have some templates. Do some some prep on on just sort of like, okay, what if you know if I need a random ripper doc? And obviously, roles in red are a really great place to start with a character. It defines a lot about how they interact with the world. Or uh, I haven't maybe at some point I need an exec, and they are. Um, very tiny person with a Napoleon complex, you know, who's just very aggressive, right? And you have that stashed away and with a name and you, or you have it on a spreadsheet and you can do this very quickly with, you know, five or 10 archetypes, you know, and you can just hit your spreadsheet and go, okay, this is the kind of odd person I want to bring in. And, and I think finally, the last thing I think with red and with cyberpunk is that it's just such a, it's such a crazy world. Yeah, it's grounded and it's gritty, but like every kind of person exists there, you know, uh, and reality, you know, take a lesson from reality. There's a person of every stripe out there. It's very hard mm-hmm. to invent someone who doesn't sort of exist somewhere in the world. So exactly. be a bit wild, push, push an archetype, you know, if someone's yeah. a mad ranting, you know, uh, lunatic, go go for it you know give give them um push it push it out a little bit you know uh, and that'll make them memorable uh that's that's what i feel like red gives you so much license to make these kooky crazy people so yeah just get dive into them oh yeah yeah in my campaigns i definitely put stats for my npcs and then i'll put like a few generic things like okay low level little booster gang or regular or okay a regular npc that maybe doesn't have any sp and no weapons on them or something but i'll stat them out mm. and then like i won't worry about doing all the skills all the stuff i'll just grab the main ones and i might even put like the main ones and then okay for everything else it's going to be a nine plus a 1d10 or a six plus a, you know and I'll, if i run into other skills i just use that generic one if they're not as important now more important npcs i'll, I'll fully stat out or i'll use kind of mm. like a pre-made or something typically um the the other thing i, I, ten, really, I generally I, give them like what a combat number a move stat armor and a resist stat like oh, that's yeah. it's what you need right exactly yeah um no, and i like your your point too about like uh especially for new gms that are maybe nervous about you know, given an NPC character when they actually voice it or something because they're worried about having to be so elaborate with an accent and this and that. And I, I think, yeah, the, the ongoing most simple best tip is, like you said, talk a little fast, talk a little slow, talk, talk a little loud, talk a little quiet, talk a little deeper, talk a little more high pitch. Those little basic things everyone can do and it'll help you kind of break out of your shell. It'll give them a little bit of a you know, vibe to each NPC. And then the more you get into it, the more you'll start experimenting with voices and other things. It'll become a little more natural. You get more comfortable as you go, you know, but I think that's a great point um, that you made, you know, the one thing for uh, red and cyberpunk as a genre as well, in at large that I'm finding difficult in creating. And, and this is really just specific and mechanical to this setting. It makes it hard for me to come up with NPCs on the fly. Is that uh, everybody has, or I, I mean, not everybody, but most people have quite a bit of cybernetic, you know, cyberware or something. And I like, 
I don't have an encyclopedic list of that <laughs> stuff. You know, I don't know what to give to somebody that's like, oh shit, I fucked up. Like, that's a problem. I shouldn't have given them that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, or or the other thing happens, which is that like, no, this this person uh, is from the year twenty twenty, real Earth. Like, they do not have any stuff in their face or whatever. You know, I just I forget, <laughs> um, and it's hard to keep track of all of that. That's a that's a that's a that's a new sort of wrinkle for me. Um, trying to come up with these guys yeah, there's definitely a lot uh, you can you start with the broader strokes like has he got a cyber arm or an eye and then you don't have to decide what's in it maybe you know yeah That's yeah too. yeah i tend to um i'm trying to find them in the uh in the book but you have when you create your characters with like the complete package like almost the pre-made characters mm. street rats i think it is um they come. Each archetype comes with a a short list of uh, cyberware that a person undergoing, or I should say, uh, uh, living in this role, or wow, I'm I words. A person in that profession, I should say, having yeah. chosen that career, uh, would normally have as a uh, so like for example, your traditional med tech would have this, is this, and this. Um, I, I'm trying very hard to find the freaking page yeah, at the I'm same sorry. time. Yeah. yeah, no, I know what you uh, mean. But it at least gives I that sort mean, of yeah. foundation that that's realistic to that level or whatever. So you don't have to worry about yeah. going too powerful or too weak. It, it kind of fits perfect for that role, and you can gauge it by the level and such. You could actually just randomize it across all oh, starting uh, character roles <laughs> because, like, it's just a good example of like. Basic peoples, people starting out in life would probably have some of this stuff. And, yeah, there's also that... like medical grade cyberware, right? That doesn't have stuff in it. It's just a replacement. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's also a lot of fun that you can add for NPCs with characteristics, whether it's color changing hair or shift tax or, you know, just weird yeah. bio sculpt stuff you can always do. That's, that's a lot of fun. That's a question. I was just realizing the way it's do you give, do you assume that all of your NPCs have a role? Like, because I think that there's an assumption. Maybe I God, I can't keep track. In certain editions of D and D, it's assumed that like, no, 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 player classes are for players, and everybody else has like these NPC classes. And I wonder what's the general consensus there in Cyberpunk. Like, does everybody play by the same rules, or NPCs are just they're just a bag of stats? They don't have a role. They're just a bunch of they're they're not a. No, I think an NPC could be an edge runner. You know, it just depends on what they are and how they fit in. But there's also like shop owners and like, you know. Mm Right. Call, call girls and and wait you know waiters and lobby people and a taxi driver and they're mm. not necessarily an edge runner with a role you know right but so they, they might me, have used to be who knows yeah. yeah that that's what I do basically if they are or they have been an edge runner I would give them a few ranks in the edge runner in the uh, role uh, role ability but otherwise you know the your average uh, security operative uh, for you know the the server admin for a company. Mm. He knows how to net run a bit, but he's not a full out net runner. Yep. Mm. Like he'll install, you know, a few daemons, a few ice. He'll probably monitor the system and everything. But if something goes down, if an actual net runner comes in, he's gonna have a hard time trying to prevent him yeah. or her from coming in. He'll probably in. jack out just to prevent his own brain getting fried. Yeah, and yeah that's it. <laughs> yeah. So. Aside but, from- yeah, I think it's definitely a point you don't need to like fill out everybody. 
you just do what you have to do for each one and you and can don't sh- overtax yourself and get you the pertinent details and you can shift those too yeah. like you know if some aren't detailed and some are and players are interacting with other ones and they're going to different you can always shift kind of those personalities and, and the depth behind these npcs that they never met that you were planning over here and give them characters to, you know give them to somebody else that they might run into eventually or something you can always shift them around um if they have yeah i also used. like to outsource the work is another good one right so especially if you at the start point of a campaign right if someone tell, brings you their life path or their backstory and says this person's really important to me we go okay well if they're really important to you give me some more depth to them you know run their life path tell me uh, you know what's going on with them what their basic traits are uh, and the other one i like i so I, i've got this as i said before i have this like this faction base with with a bunch of edge runners in it and so when i started out my campaign i was like hey guys like invent someone for the for the base you know invent someone for the dreamers um and and that was great. They came up with these kind of archetypes and ideas that I didn't think of myself. And now they're, they're populating the world. And when they meet those people, they have that little bit of spark of ownership. It's like, oh, yeah, that yeah. person was, was my idea. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a lot of fun. Very fun. What about, um, you know, we did want to, I think we get great tips on NPCs. Lots of good stuff here. Um, but we did also want to give some tips on campaign building. And I know, like, if we fully get into that, that's a whole separate episode, you know? Mm. But what I would like to do is maybe each of us just take, like, you know, three to five minutes, just, you know, a few minutes or something. Um, you don't necessarily have to break down how you build the campaign, but, like, if anybody has any, like, tips, just a few tips or something just to talk about for a few minutes each, and we can keep the same initiative, too. So, if Greg, you want to start it off? Uh, DMing tips. Uh, or, no, sorry, building. campaign building tips. Huh. Uh, I'm going. Can I can I delay initiative? I, yeah, you can hold your, like, hold your action. I'm going to hold my action, action, guys. I don't want to go first. I feel like I'm I'm here. To, I'm taking notes. I'll I'll come in with some witty, uh, witticisms later. Right, Simon's next on that initiative. Um, <laughs> do I have time to plug my whole world building thing in five minutes? All right. Um, I. I normally, if you've watched the uh, interview with uh, Rob uh, and myself. Uh, was it an interview? How, how should yeah, I call the, that? A conversation. The, it was the. It was actually an episode of the the Game Master Tips, um, where we talked yeah. about your process of campaign building. Mm-hmm. Um, so watch that for like the longer version. But the summary is this: I use basically uh, same terminology as uh, filmmaking or setting up a a, a play, uh, where I ask my players to choose a few. Um, a few places that are we're going to use as scenes. So places that they know their characters will often end up in. So what, you know, if, if one says a bar, okay, cool. Then that means that this is the one bar that ever to, unless something happens. Um, just like, you know, how in Friends, everyone was at the same freaking cafe and all that. Uh, but it also helps set up, okay, then who are the regulars there? Who are the NPCs there? A bit like how you would... Uh, script write a, a, a tv series so you're limited in the amount of sets normally due to like budgetary reasons but in this case it's mostly so that you can create bonds between people and mm-hmm. links and relationships faster and easier and that way you also have strong npcs you don't have to come up with new npcs every time of course this works a lot in a game such as cyberpunk where you're not going to really leave night city 
or not going to really leave the city you're in. Maybe you will for a time and come back, but if I compare it to D&D, where every quest is basically a trek across the land for months, uh, that's less feasible. Uh, but yeah, so you're going to have your sets, and then you move on to uh, who are going to be your uh, main actors. So you're, you're not extras, not the main characters, but like the secondary roles. So who are the NPCs that are important? I need at least one that you have a good report with, and one that is slightly antagonistic for whatever reason you've chosen. Life paths are great for that because you can just roll on your life path and yeah. suddenly have a bunch of these NPCs at the ready. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you don't, just give me give me a name. I have someone recently who uh, in a game who said um, the uh, his antagonist is the parking police. Some there's this one agent who seems to have it against them. Every time he's parked illegally, it's always that same person. I like that. That's funny. That gives him a ticket. <laughs> Good one, yeah. yeah. So it's it's not like, it's not end of the world type of thing, but it's just you know ruin my day type of yeah. antagonism. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and then I ask everyone for a um, sacrosanct object, something that their character holds dear. An object can also mean person in this case. Uh, for example, you could be a father or a mother and you choose your child. Uh, sacrosanct in the sense that I cannot remove it from you. I cannot touch that NPC or that object unless you allow me to do it. Oh, but it's also because you will have the sacrosanct object. It has to be something that your character has a strong emotional bond with and will be central to the development of your character. So this is the very quick bullet point oh, yeah. method that I use. Yeah, no, and I like uh, that's awesome. Once again, I'm going to have to be right. But I think I ate something bad oh, no. for lunch, oh, no. so I'm really sorry <laughs> yeah, no, for I'm sorry. leaving like that back and forth. But I'll sure be back. Just make sure your mic is off. The yeah, mic's gonna right. be off. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta live. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, yeah, did we want to circle back around to Greg, or do you want me to go next? Uh, so my. Um... My campaign building, man, that's really good. I don't have anything better to add than that. Um, I do kind of look at, so what I do, I, I, on my good days, this is like all of my, you know, idealized self. In reality, what I'm doing is holding it together with bubblegum and duct tape five <laughs> yeah. seconds before we roll. Um, I plot out, like I was saying before, I will plot out um, what my central antagonist NPCs are doing, right? Um. And I'll know the beats of that. And I'll, I'll actually plot that out as, you know, in Act 1, this is happening. In Act 2, this is happening. In Act 3, this is happening. Um, and I'll have probably two of those. Um, two big sort of uh, overarching campaigns that really, if the players don't interact with them, I'll know this is what's going to happen. And I'll map out those things across sessions. So if the players are not involved with it, uh, they don't take the story hooks. They don't investigate it. They are embroiled in you know their personal kind of character development uh, arcs that are based on their own uh, this other these other arcs that I'm building around their their backgrounds and the, the NPCs that kind of orbit around them from their life path and stuff like that. Um, I'll know that well. We're two sessions in, and so like he's already done. They've all of this stuff has already happened, right? Like so when they finally achieve it, or or they will interact with things around the setting. Um, you know, like uh, the, the bridge is out because of X, Y, and Z. And that, it, you know, it just gives me information 
to note, keep the world alive so that this plan is still in motion and I can, in subtle ways, in very real ways, I hope, in tangible ways, um, have it drive the environment in a way that around the the players, whether they're interacting with it or not, and, and of course, all of those become opportunities for them to investigate and look into it further. Um, and, and I'd think about it in like a, you know, like, like I said, you know, three or five act structure, and I will break that out across sessions and stuff like that. Um, hopefully, hopefully I do that. A lot of times I don't <laughs> do that. That's kind of, I mean, I, that has worked for me in the past, that and also kind of just leaning into character, but. I love the act structure for, for building out games. It's it's a very solid way of doing it, even if it doesn't hang to it exactly. I think it's a really good way of, of giving at least a baseline structure to your campaign so it feels like it's moving for your players. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I think... I do find it... Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, go on. I say, I do find that, like having switched to from playing just for my friends at the table to playing on a live stream, it has, um, and using also a virtual tabletop, like it changes everything for me in a lot of ways. Like, it's just like, okay, wow, we're going to cover a lot less ground. We're going to move a lot more slowly because of just like the nature of being teledistanced and stuff like that. Mm. And, and also, um, things that work at a table suddenly I'm like, I don't know if that actually is the way to do that if I'm trying to make a show out of this at the same time, you know, like just like tricks to keep pacing high as opposed to, you know, things I used to do. I was like, I'm sort of revising a lot of my approach specifically for quote TV. Um, I'm lucky with that. Cause we post edit it so we can do the pace that way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you could you could redo scenes. You could do a second take on that. <laughs> yeah, we because because it is actual play. We don't do that. Uh, so. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a bridge too far. <laughs> that, yeah, there's definitely a limit. It's all scripted. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. I tell them exactly what's going to happen the whole you tell time. Them all the dice rolls. Are they're dice rolls. <laughs> it's not. That is not true. It's sarcasm. Yeah. They show up just for you to read to them. All right, and this is the part where you rolled a ten, and then you rolled a three. <laughs> uh, this is the part where you. <laughs> That's messed up. No, oh, that would be so much more work. It would be so I know, much more that's work. So true. It would be counterproductive. Yeah. If you ever look into debunking um, moon truthers about going to the moon, oh, it's like when you look yeah, at how technology hard. from the 60s, it would have been harder to fake it than to actually do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Rob, do you mind if I jump in? I'm running out a little bit of time. That's all. Yeah, go ahead. Mine's going to be super quick anyway. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, man. Um, so I... Especially if you, my thing is like, especially if you're playing with people you haven't played before uh, or a new system, uh, uh, build the campaign that your players want to play, right? Not necessarily that you want to tell, although hopefully, you know, those two things are going to align at least somewhat, right? And this means like, do your, do your players want a movie, right? Do they want a, 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 a like a high stakes, time limited you know, heist movie, you know, and you can mm. plan that out for them beat by beat. Or do they want a playground? Do they want to build like three edge runners who, four edge runners who just exist in the city and have their own like things to grapple with and things come at them and they, and they sort of react as they go, you know, build that game, build it as a more of a kind of diverse kind of world where there are different places for them to hook onto. Um, and uh, yeah, find out what it is that they want to do. And a lot of that may come from the crew that they build. So in red, you know, uh, you, 
the book encourages you to like form the crew like as the characters are made you know are they a media team are they uh like a trauma team like a you know a trauma team amateur or professional you know what is it that they do as they put their characters together and then react to that by building the campaign of of what they've prompted to use there's a bit of a feedback between you and and them and then i think it avoids a lot of those problems of people not hooking on to what you're putting in front of them because you know what it is that they've already said that they will react to these these are the hooks we want so you're like okay Mm. I'll, I'll, i'll make some hooks like that um and then if you already have that down and you want to go a level deeper make your campaign about something right it does your is your campaign about self-sacrifice is it about protecting the innocent or the weak is it about uh investigating a conspiracy you know Mm -hmm. and and um undoing the kind of machinations of the powerful you can take it uh, especially if you've got a more established group you can take your role playing to a little bit more of a sort of a literary level i guess and and maybe have a theme or a, a motif that runs through it as well. That can really elevate your games just to have that little bit more of a, a personal impact, I find. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's very cool. No, I love that. Yeah, for, for me with campaigns, just a couple quick things. For uh, You know, I, I build campaigns the same way, you know, j- very similar to, to filmmaking and, and script writing in the sense that I might have the bigger campaign idea bro- broken up into like sessions as if they're plot hooks and different, you know, uh, uh, leading into different parts of, of the play, so to speak. But um, one thing that, that I, I definitely do is when I have my key bullet points, you know, with my flow chart and kind of how it's going to go, I, I'll, I always have those flexible um, just because I like to let players do whatever the hell they want to do. Um, and then if there's certain key points, um, you know, if I have to shift them around, um, just to have it make sense, I do that so then they can still be, you know, involved with the campaign that they're trying to do. But I can at least give them full free reign in this world to do whatever they want to do and, and still somewhat make it work or not make it work. But at least the opportunity is still around them or whatever. So I'm very flexible. The other thing I wanted to add is lately I've been having a lot of fun kind of reverse engineering my campaigns. Like instead of coming up with the main idea and then building from there and then finding maps or images for you know, roll 20 to represent it. I've been working with like my sponsors who give me maps. I've got a few of them now. Um, and I'll take the best maps or ideas and I'm like, ah, oh, let me reverse engineer this. And I'll kind of build a story around that and then work backwards. Oh, I found this really cool image of this. I'm going to work this into a part of that's going to lead to this map that I have access to right now. And I've been kind of having fun, uh, reverse engineering my campaigns, but that's all I wanted to say is that, you know, for new that's GMs, so don't, cool. don't think there's one way to do it, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of good ideas grow from a seed, right? And it doesn't always matter exactly what that seed is, whether it comes from your player or it comes from uh, an idea or a movie or a map or an image. Like, you plant that in your brain and it will grow into something. Oh, yeah. So now I think uh, we can we can get to the final uh, segment here and kind of get this show on the road. Guys, it's time for Chumba Chat. Hell, Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, anybody watching, uh, you know, this is the part. If you do have any questions, um, any comments, um, just drop them there in the live chat. Um, I did want to say one thing I read I thought was kind of funny. Let me see if I can get back to it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to see it. It was someone you saying... Can... 
There's someone saying which book is this piece about, of art from? This is about insane. Phil's. Uh, oh, this is from the 2020 book. This is the Combat Zone. Book, yeah. uh, this is one of my favorite. I love how images. happy everybody looks. Oh, I love it. Just it, like, like, it, it represents the Combat Zone, and I love the guy in the back with all the cop badges. Like yeah, he's collecting them. You know, like it's just so yeah. cool. <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought that was so cool. You know, um, I, I love that. You know, this this book having been uh, written in the nineties, I love that in their vision of the future, there were still CRT TVs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no flat screens. Cybernetics uh, as technology are almost required inherently to be uh, analog. If you get into the original definition of cybernetics, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so but TVs though. <laughs> yeah, somebody in the chat said something along the lines. It was your last campaign, Phil, for Roll the Cast, and they said it was just a series of bad rolls from Phil or something along those lines. They were they were vouching for all your ones that you rolled, I think, or something along that side. Yeah, always funny. at key, always at very key times. So I was like, mm, I got them this time. Oh, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't. My, yeah, my... you just got to roll the punches. Uh, <laughs> if you want it to be deadly, sometimes characters, your players will just. Lately, uh, my players, for uh, at least on our ongoing, they've been rocking their luck points. Like a lot of times, players forget to use luck. I notice, mm. and then sometimes players are just on that shit every campaign. And my players lately, especially uh, Daniel, who plays on Rio, the the net runner. I see him here in the chat, Gizmo. Um, but he uh, every time it seems like, and I don't want to jinx him, but almo almost every time, you know, he drops like say two points of luck or three points or one point, and it's it's literally that very. Uh, Matt, he oh, just wow. barely gets it right where it, it fucking needs to be. Like Ooh, he's been awesome. lucky with the luck points. <laughs> oh, I have uh, one of my players. Uh, whenever she adds luck, she crits. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Ellen. She just she's like, oh, I think I need a couple of points of luck. Oh, okay, I rolled two tens. All right, I got forty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so didn't need it, but that's awesome. Nah. Um. Any good stories about? Yeah, no major question. I'm just, I'm just reviewing the chat, making sure I didn't miss anything. About when you're trying to hurt your players and you can't manage to? Oh, I have plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> With a med tech that's got a base 20 in first aid and surgery. That's amazing. Like, it's unless I try to, and I do, I honestly try to actively maim them during combat. Mm. My, so my NPCs will try to go for, you know, something that they see. Oh, the person is not wearing a helmet. I'm going to try to aim for the head. Of course, yeah. they miss because that penalty is just brutal. It is. Um, but when they do hit, it's always like, oh, there's, you know, I'll hit and then roll for damage. And I roll like four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they all have like basic armor jacks. So it's like, well, great. And the moment What's I do damage someone. Huh? It just Wait. pings off the hood of their jacket or something. Yeah. 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 My uh my one shot lately, uh the rocker boy in the first session of the one shot got his hand blown off in the crit because I rolled two sixes on him and it took off his hand. Uh he stabilized, carry on, didn't die. Second session, same fucking thing. So I blew off his other hand. I'm like I'm like, You're a rocker boy. You're not trying to be Johnny Silverhand, you're trying to be Johnny Silver Hands. And and I thought that was funny and he's like, No, no, I'm trying to be Johnny Silver Man. Like he wants to, yeah, he wants to this point, be all yeah. chromed out and like all cybered out. But yeah, I've been getting lots of crits lately and I just, you know, been flowing with it and just hoping like, you know, we can keep it ongoing without killing the players, but it's been dangerous. 
How do you get base 20 in surgery? Like, so you're a rank 4 medtech. You put all four points in surgery. So it gives you eight... He's a, eight he's a rank 5 medtech. Ah, okay. And all... So he's got 10 points surgery. He's put everything in surgery. No pharmaceuticals. Yeah. No cryotech. Nope. No pharmaceuticals and no cryotech. I thought he did do some pharmaceutical... Didn't he, uh... Uh, he has... No, that's... No, I think uh, it's it's in the role play he has, but he doesn't have um, the points for it. I'd have to open the roll twenty again. Uh, but if he and does, he has it? like a point or so. And then it's what like eight tech ability plus like a med scanner or something gets you to twenty. Uh, I mean, it it might not be actually twenty. It might be a little lower it's than that. Enough. But you kind of you kind of <laughs> get the the gist of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he, he likes to say that basically he can fix anything except death. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. far, it's been true. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, my granny is going a bit of cryotech, so she's she's all about zipping, putting you in a Ziploc bag. Nice. Mm. Hell yeah, I Pulling love that. Out of there. Um, Daniel in the chat, who plays our Netrunner, who I was just referring to about the luck, uh, and he did say, yeah. I, I did that a couple times last session. Yeah, he has a question for Greg. He says, I would love to know what Greg uses for all his monitors while he's playing, because that is a setup I'm jealous of. I only have three monitors. <laughs> so I'm going to answer that question two ways, because I, I don't know if you mean what do I use them all for or what am I using to achieve them. Um, so I've got two computers is the thing. So I've got an iMac that is one of the monitors is an iMac, and that was bought to be my editing computer. And then I always have two monitors. I had gotten a second monitor and that was good. And then I was streaming off of it and I was like, wow, I need a monitor to like run OBS, like has to be kind of dedicated to that job. And then another one that's dedicated to the job of the virtual tabletop. And then I need a place to put the chat room and also like anything else. So I got a third monitor that I now keep <laughs> vertical in between the other two. So it's, I call it the crucifix. Um, and, uh, and then the, the camera's in the middle of it right there. And then they're all mounted on arms to the wall. And then the other monitor that's a touchscreen I'm pointing at right now, which he's referring to a video I put out a couple a week ago, is um, on a 45-degree angle. That is I, – I was pushing the limits of doing the stream from the iMac. I just couldn't do it. Um, I actually bought an external GPU and tested that. And it, because of the bottleneck and Thunderbolt, could not do it either. So I returned that. And I have a gaming computer PC um, that I'm very fortunate to have. It was a sponsor thing. Um, and, uh, I, I, but I hate windows like on for a variety of reasons. I've avoided using it for <laughs> a very long time anymore, other than to, like open it up and play the video game. I can do that. But like just actually working in windows drives me crazy. And finally I was like, well, the only way I'm going to be able to make this thing stable and hold frame rates and not like be a disaster is to just move the whole stream over to the PC. And then, I needed a, a piece of screen to actually do that. And when I was shopping around, I was like, wow, you can get touch screens now. That's new. Hey, win one for the windows. Um, and so I thought about it. I was like, it'd be really handy to have that because then I can adjust the levels for the mix and stuff like that on the fly right here without having to like switch to an input because they're on a KVR. So I have their shared inputs. So it just it means I can directly interact with the stream in a lot of like rudimentary ways at the very least um you know for fine-tuning stuff i still have to grab the mouse and then i have to switch the inputs and everything like that but uh, you're, you're, you're like a, a real a real netrunner man yeah. like it's extremely cyberpunk in in here on the like tiki lounge but this side it looks like johnny yeah. mnemonic there's like monitors <laughs> coming out of the walls and just like hundreds of like if i showed you what my cable snake looked like the, there's so many wires there's so many fucking wires it's do you many, remember many that wires. <laughs> do you, do you that movie <laughs> Sword, swordfish 
Yeah, I, yeah. I actually never saw Swordfish. You know that? I should, well, I never it's saw the him. point where he's like building the ultimate program and he's got like uh, eight monitors you, and they're all like, he's pulling pieces from different ones. It's ridiculous. How do you keep that track is, of all the monitors and wires and plugs with all the drinking? Um, well, <laughs> I always tell people I drink a lot less than you think I do and a lot more than I think I do. But, um, <laughs> uh, but in, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I built it, and then it's here. And Don't every time I have to, anything. yeah, I'm about to. I'm about to rewire all my sound because I have two external well, sound, sound cards, and I'm constantly worst. swapping my fucking headphones back and forth. And I just bought a vocal effects synthesizer so I can do like robot voices and stuff in my show. Oh, cool. um, and also, and I like I wanted to get both sound cards to go to one headphone set. So this is a little stereo headphone mixer. I'm going to take everything and. I don't have rack equipment, but I'm going to take a bunch of heavy duty uh, Velcro and Velcro all these sound equipment things to the outside of my tiny desk. I have the world's, this is, it's hilarious. That's just the reason everything's on the wall and mounted on like fucking articulated arms is because I own the world's smallest desk. I own the smallest desk you could buy from Ikea uh, because when I bought it, I was living in Manhattan and my edit suite was stuffed inside of a closet. I had to fit it inside of a closet. It's where I did all my work. And uh, uh, and I just still have the desk. And for some reason, I could buy another desk, I guess, now that I don't live there anymore. But this is still my desk. So the result is that I have a tiny desk with a keyboard and a mouse on it and then a very large wall-based computer system behind it. Um, and that's the story. I'm sorry. That's a very long story about something that has oh, nothing to do with Very interesting, punk. actually. Hey. Very interesting. <laughs> well, you could watch uh, writing, uh, how to write on last week's about my cyberpunk prep on the YouTubes. It's where you can see some views of my, my setup. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, I think. Uh, we start. We, what were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that we had a plan to do the stream. I actually invested in like a multicam streaming setup because I was going to do in-person streaming and like the crew was like okay date one was set and it was in march and like three days before we were like i don't think anybody can come over i think we have to switch (laughs) and i like had to move to like i was like okay cool i've never touched a virtual tabletop i'm gonna have to learn one real freaking fast and uh so that was like a big adaptation on the fly kind of oh yeah no that's the the only thing i think that came good out of this whole pandemic is it got me more into the virtual tabletops which introduced me to a lot of new players and gms and you know expanding and creating this brand more than just chilling at my house with some friends so i, I you know that's the one good thing that's come out of it i guess um is yeah. the digital socializing you know and the ability to play more i think i get to spend more time with my kid too that's good very cool yeah um so i think i think uh, I, think. I haven't i haven't run a spreadsheet on that <laughs> Um, no, I think I think we nailed everything. Unless any other questions come in the chat while we do this, I'd love for each of us to just do a little outro. Um, just plug, you know, uh, our links, sites, Twitter, Twitch, all that good stuff. Just, you know, a little plug and breakdown of each of us if we want to do that. We can keep the same initiative. If, Greg, you want to go first. Sure. Um, you can find me on YouTube, um, channel How to Drink. I uh, make cocktails from... I make cocktails. I do stuff from pop culture. I do stuff from not pop culture. From Johnny <laughs> I do classics. Silverhand. I do. I, don't, I do the. I did the Johnny Silverhand. Apparently, I got to do a Jackie Wells now too. But I have to figure out a way to make that video spoiler free. Um, and let me interject, but, uh, let me interject though, because you're, you're you're not giving yourself justice here. But they actually altered the drink in the game based on yours. 
uh, right? I mean, why don't you just at least yeah. mention that? I think that's really cool. I got to that last night on my stream, actually. I finally got to that point in the prologue, and I was like, oh, my God. It's, it was very cool feeling seeing that in the game. Seeing, I mean, it's a yeah. subtle difference between what was there before and, and matching mine, but they definitely made a change to it to match mine, which is crazy. It blows my mind. Um, I don't know how to process that. That's really cool of them. The uh, And we're streaming Cyberpunk Red on Tuesday nights um, on my Twitch, which is Greg from HTD. Uh, I'm trying to do more and more and more stuff on Twitch. Like, all, like, I really would love to... I wish I could just live on Twitch and not be on YouTube, but I mean, YouTube is, is where I'm at, as it seems. So, But I will be... I'm trying to do more on Twitch. Um, so, yeah. That's me. You said you also mentioned uh, before that you were trying to come up with a, or maybe going to come up with a separate cyberpunk sort of or gaming brand for yourself. So it's not how to drink. Since it's completely yeah, different. I was. Are you still thinking about that? I was thinking about that. I don't know. I I um <laughs> the, the Twitch partner guy that uh, I deal with with Twitch. He was like, "That's probably not such a good idea. You should probably get good at the Twitch you have before you start a second one. Like you're, you suck. I mean, <laughs> just like just get a schedule, Greg, and stick to it. Uh, and then right we can on. talk about the needs of your. I was like, "Yeah, okay, fuck it, that's fine. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> true. <for> right? <laughs> I, yeah, that's true. I don't like this answer though. So, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, Simon, you want to do a little outro for yourself? I, uh, sure. Um, I am Simon. Uh, you can find me when my stomach settles um, over. Uh, that That is fine. You know what? It, it, I took a risk earlier. I took a risk and I paid for it. Can I ask what you ate? Since you, you seem to recognize that you knew it was a risk at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I've started ordering from like local farms around our area. And uh, one of them makes uh, spicy sausages. Okay. And normally spicy isn't spicy. Like it's mild. Yeah. Ah, uh, this was like <laughs> eating a handful of peppercorns mixed not with. Uh, oh no, definitely not. Uh, and apparently, if it's things going in, it's things coming out. As <laughs> <laughs> so. general, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that said, uh, hey, I play some cyberpunk over on my channel, twitch.tv slash WonderingDM. Uh, all in one word, WonderingDM. I'm also on Twitter at Wondering underscore, this time DM. Um, yeah, we do. Right now, it's uh, D&D on Mondays and then cyberpunk on Fridays. Uh, you can also find me on the Level Up Dice Twitch channel running Scion, a Onyx Path game where uh, people are basically playing um uh, american gods or percy jackson if you will so baby gods uh growing into their uh, immense power uh, other than that i am rather super busy the other days with stuff that i can't really talk about but uh, a lot of cool things are coming up in 2021 um so i'll be i'll be bragging about it on social media a lot <laughs> and i think um I'm not sure, but Rob, are we still – is it still happening on the 23rd? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So I will finally play Cyberpunk Red for the first time ever on Rob's channel uh, <laughs> on awesome. December 23rd. Yeah, I should mention uh, – because that was something I, I was going to mention too, so I'll, I'll jump right into it is I got to go and play 
or this way on the on the stream over here with Wandering DM. I got to go use my wife's solo Raven from our ongoing. I took her character and got to go play uh, with Wandering DM's team. And then a Nino Gaming, your guy who does the Rocker Boy, Jimenez came over uh, the last Tuesday and jumped in a session with our team. And then, yeah, Simon's making a, a Rocker Boy or a character to come in um, on the 23rd. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I really like mixing yeah. up the players and doing it was that. It was very fun. Yeah, it's a lot. Of though the though the flashback that you were in was a little more humorous humorous than um yeah. most of the campaign, uh I'll have to bring you back for a uh, oh, yeah. a darker one. <laughs> oh, I'm always down. It was a lot of fun. It was fun to play, you know, like you said you're excited <laughs> to play. Like it was really cool to actually play and not just GM. But other than that, I'm just I've got the the weekly ongoing every Wednesday 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, and then I've got the monthly one-shot I'm doing, um, which kind of fluctuates on dates. We're streaming other GMs. The best way to keep up to date with everything I'm go I have going is, uh, you know, this Twitch channel, the Cyberpunk Uncensored Twitch channel for all the live stuff, and then Cyberpunk Uncensored on YouTube for all the GM tip uh, series videos, the GM Roundtable, the Cyberpunk Red Crash courses, and all the archived live streams. Um, and through that, you can get to our other links, uh, probably in the description of this video, uh, to our Discord if you want to play or GM, um, our website, we have a community blog and all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm probably, I'll, I'll, I'll put everybody's links uh, in the description. Um, so anybody watching and listening, you'll be able to find everybody and stuff. But, um, but yeah, uh, other than that, same old, same old as far as uh, cyberpunk stuff for me. Uh, Phil? Yeah, so I'm uh, one quarter of Baby Beard Media, a uh, little content collective in uh, Australia. So you can find us on Twitter at Baby Beard Media, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, Ellen does uh, cosplays on Instagram, so really worth checking those out. And we've got a YouTube channel as well where we do kind of Let's Play content and all our podcasts and stuff go up on there as well. Again, that's Baby Beard Media. My, uh, our role-playing show is Roll to Cast, R-O-L-E. Um, and that's on Spotify, that's on YouTube, you can get that anywhere you like. And that is a variety play where we do a different season, different, um, uh, each season has a different uh, setting, different system, uh, and a different storyteller often as well. So we've done 2020, <laughs> Subpunk 2020, we've done uh, Vampire, uh, we've done Subpunk Red, we're about to do Pulp Cthulhu, we've got Kids on Bikes coming up. So yeah, if you like a good variety of different games, especially ones that you maybe want to check out haven't seen before really good place to to go on there and if you just want to see what we're working on just yeah jump on our twitter and me personally i plan to have a big sub uh 2021 so i got some projects coming up i'm going to talk about really soon and then i'm just hoping to just run a bunch of games and appear in a bunch of games uh starting with john john's whenever that happens in the new year and then who knows just uh, watch the space oh yeah awesome awesome well i think that was great i just want to thank everybody for watching the live stream and tuning in everybody that you know shared the video and channel and checks out the archived version i want to thank all of you for joining you know phil simon greg Thanks. for coming in i know everybody you know we all have busy schedules and shit so making the time to do this is, is a lot is really cool i really appreciate it and i know everybody else does thank you um, for having me oh yeah so yeah uh, nice to meet you greg as well Oh, nice to meet all of you guys. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Nice to meet you. In fact, I saw your uh, Johnny Silverhand video this morning on my YouTube page, my recommended videos. Nice. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll watch that later. And lo and behold, here you are. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> Thank so you, much, YouTube. Guys.
right, awesome. Do that for me. Thanks, everybody. Push that around. <laughs> Once again, everybody, everybody watching, thanks again. Take care. Thank you, guys. Bye.